This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! And you're going to go out of here as the Big Eight tournament champion. 93-7, the ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakovan. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Sponsored by the Mercado by Certified Piedmontese. This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. We're back on the block. All the blockheads out there, thank you for tuning in. Always, well, not always, but for now. Four to six on the block. Whenever you can. Whenever you can. You can podcast us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you can always go to YouTube, Switch, Twitch, Spotify, Facebook, or any of those. 93.7 The Ticket FM app. Also, you can find yeah, us yeah. there. Great lineups always available to you. But a lot of news. We always come off, off the weekend, and there's just so much you can tap in on. But the stories of the day. As interesting as we have Shenander bites. Yes. We have a lot of information that is popping out, jumping out of the Nebraska practice continues as they close in on an end-of-the-month date with the Northwestern Wildcats. So it's going to be an exciting few more weeks before they find their way on a plane across the Atlantic Ocean to land there in Dublin, Ireland. And uh, there's going to be a game that's going to happen. And Shenander has some information that he wanted to share with us. And, and we have Shenander Bice. We have notes and different information that's coming out of the practice facility. Tell us about it, Bob. Yeah, we've got a, a lot of stuff to, to go through here. Uh, a lot of different players from Shenander that he talked about. Of course, the defensive coordinator for Nebraska. Uh, let's start with uh, a, a name that maybe we didn't expect to get so much playing time, but is really seems to be a guy that's uh, making his move there on the line. It's, it's Colton Feist. Excuse me, sorry. Well, let's get uh, get that moved up here. It's Colton Feist. Colton Feast is a, is a guy that Feist. came in here as a kind of a walk-on guy that not many people outside the program knew about, and he's just worked and worked and worked, and he's put himself in a position to play a ton of snaps this year, whether he gets to be a starter or whether he's the first guy in the rotation. He's done an unbelievable job with technique. Uh, he's a powerful guy. You know, he knows what's going on. He has good anticipation of the game, um, and he can really run for a big guy. He's playing on some some special teams for us as well. So there you have it, Colton Feast. uh, What a great name. We're all still learning his name, yeah. What a great name. You like that name? Big fella in the middle. Oh yeah, it's time to feast, baby. Let's oh, there you go. let's get in there and have a feast, man. I would, if I'm anybody right now that has the big restaurant with the big burgers or the big chicken or the feast. big feast, baby. Yes, I'm I'm UIL in them till I can't UIL them no more. <laughs> and of course, he's uh, he's from Newton, Nebraska. You don't uh, yeah, we no. haven't heard too much of him. He's a walk on six two two seventy two seventy five. Number 82. I always like that when the walk-ons have obscure numbers. Uh, 82, kind of a weird that's one on the defensive line. Yeah, that's, yeah, kind that's of a not tight a defensive end. line's number. Yeah. But uh, we'll definitely take it, and he's moving his way. Kind of had a few injuries to deal with uh, last year, but uh, was able to play in, in limited action here. Um, but has really done well. You, what you hear about him is basically very good, uh, technically, technically sound. And um, it's interesting, too, because you kind of think about him 
battling as well as uh, some other guys there in, in the interior defensive line, uh, especially as you think about Stefan Wynn. Of course, the Alabama transfer. Um, you think about the polar bear, Nash Hutmacher, as he's making his move, and Ty Robinson. What are they saying about Hutmacher? But go ahead. Finish yeah, Ty yeah. Robinson. Well, I'm just saying the, the one thing that is another name that comes up is Devin Drew, who we're still mm-hmm. waiting on, still not mm-hmm. on campus. Um, and you start to think, because Shenander did say this, I don't know if we have it in the bite, but I'll, I'll talk about it here in a second, is that uh, is that it seems like Nash Hutmarker's a little bit further along of Stefan Wynn. He can't wait till Stefan Wynn catches up, catches up because mm-hmm. he thinks that, like, you know, physically, they're they're close, you know, as far as uh, playability and all that stuff. But uh, Hutchbacher's just a little bit more yeah. uh, seasoned with the defense. Yeah. Devin Drew, guy that a lot of us penciled in at starter, he's going to be pretty far behind, behind you yeah. would think. So it might take – he might be a, a three, four, five games in before he really – you kind of see the true um, Devin Drew or the the, the, the ultimate – the prime Devin Drew that we'd like to see. Does that concern you at all that you might – I mean, that, you're talking about a line with not a whole lot of depth, but now with Feast kind of stepping up, you know, maybe maybe you're adding to it. Well, see, and that's the thing. I, I, I think the schedule – bodes well from them. I mean, because what you're not going to get out of Northwestern is they're not going to pound you. They're, they're going to be creative in the way that they run. You know, probably a counters, a lot of some screens, um, in very West Coast style, I'm sure, because they don't feel that they're probably going to have enough time to to be able to hold the ball and, and get stuff downfield. They're going to try to run it. I mean, that, that's definitely one of the things that they're going to try to do. But if you can, if you can shut that down, then you know, you maybe don't have to work as hard. If you can get off the field, those are going to be key components to the Northwestern game is getting off the field. Oh, yeah. When it's third down and you've got them in third and sevens and, you know, third and eights, even third and sixes, you've got to be on your P's and Q's. You rear your ears back, you know, cut off lanes, but don't don't allow them to just get space, man. Throw something at them to make that thing come out of the hand a little bit quicker so that the, the DBs can make, make plays. I think that was a problem for the DBs in the past, too, is that, Sometimes the balls would come out, they would have them short, but they couldn't make the make the make the tackle to 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 finalize it and and, and get them off. So I hopefully they'll tackle a little bit better. Um, but but yeah, man, I think I think there's uh, some opportunities there. The the schedule works perfectly for them to be able to get those guys up to speed, get them some reps, get them on the field, and then see how it, you know it pans out for them. I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll continue this talk with the defensive line, but it is kind of interesting. You brought up, you know, Ryan Halinski and, and how much he threw the ball around. We we're kind of talking about it earlier. Excuse me, they were on uh, on uh, old school with with Jay and, and DP about how Nebraska got Northwestern last year so off their game plan. Northwestern is a team that wants to run and, mm-hmm. and, gr- and grind on you, and they've got a stable of backs to do so. Um, but they didn't They didn't run for much at all because they were down 21 nothing right away. Yeah. You know Ryan Alinsky's not going to pass you to get back in the game. Um, so we'll see with that. A couple other notes real quick uh, with that, and I bring it up once in a while, is Brennan Sullivan, a freshman, might beat out Ryan Holinsky. A lot of people in Northwestern are pretty high on him, and he's got uh, he's got some legs. So that could be something with these defensive linemen chasing him down might be interesting. If not, if Holinsky does start and Nebraska does win, um, then it would be the first quarterback – that Scott Frost has beaten twice in his in his in his time at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, Minnesota's quarterback is going uh, for his fourth win against Nebraska. So has, we know it hasn't gone well um, in the coaching matchups. But then when you kind of break it down to quarterback, uh, that doesn't help. 
either. But yes, about Nash Huttmacher, uh, Coach Chin talked about him as well today. You know, you guys see the videos. He's always had a lot of strength, a lot of power. Nash's uh, lateral movement, his uh, his quickness, his change of direction has drastically increased over the last probably since the season stopped till now. So that's what I, you know. I'm really pleased with what he's done you know just his ability to, to move around a little bit better before it was just you know if you were in one gap or in a two gap mode he was good if he's getting on the move and doing those types of things probably wasn't the right defense for him now he's able to operate in all the calls so there you go a little bit more uh versatility and in movement from nash Huttmacher, and that's good to hear i mean you talk about a big guy six four 330 pounds kind of known as the polar bear you don't get that nickname if you're not a big guy um I would say a little bit untested, I suppose, mm-hmm. on the line. You saw him appear in, in a few games last year, didn't get a tackle, but um, a guy, at least the body size, that could space gripe. Yeah, make up for kind of Damian mm-hmm. Daniels and losing him. Of course, I don't think, I think he'd be their lone guy. If they do play, you know, we're kind of all thinking, uh, figuring they're moving to the 4 3 because Damian Daniels was a, a central part of the 3 4. Yeah. And then, you know, how much of that did they play anyway? They kind of moved toward the 4 3 anyway. Um, I think it would be your basically your, your only nose tackle that would be ready to go. Um, but, you know, if you're playing 4 3, you can kind of do the, the defensive tackle thing. Um, I, I would say with him, uh, might be a starter this year, so you, you you're gonna see you need to see more versatility out of him, uh, and we're excited to finally see his career yeah. get going. He's had that nickname that people like for Polar for a bear. long time, um, but as with most defensive linemen, it takes a little bit of time to get you know physically ready to play Big Ten football with these right. guys. Well, while we're talking about the defensive line right now, I mean there's there there's some conversations that are going on with regard with regard to the change of the name of the edge rushers. Uh, they're talking about the abilities of moving Garrett around and Caleb around, you know, shifting them, not allowing people to lock in and figure that out. And then also trying to figure out where Ocean, Ocean Mathis finds himself lined up at as well. And what those combinations are going to be. So what is the thoughts on that? Did they, did, did Shenander have a conversation about that? Uh, on what? Sorry, I was looking at the text line. Oh, <laughs> say that again. Yeah. Sorry. Did they, did they have any Shenander notes on that with, with regards to the, the ends and Garrett and, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's, uh, here's Shenander talking about uh, moving Garrett and Caleb around. Yeah, you know, right now I think that he's kind of playing one spot on the defensive end for us. I think because of the, the knowledge of the system, we've been moving Garrett and Caleb just a little bit more uh, around to make some of those packages. And I think Oshan's a really good edge rusher, so we want to give him you know as many opportunities as we can to get him on the edge. So that is interesting. Garrett and Caleb more moving around than Oshan at this point, who's their dedicated edge rusher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's good to hear. It's good to know. So that way, when we're looking at it, we're not going to be looking crazy at what's going on. Yeah, surprise. But Oshan's a guy that you kind of figured, um, I guess I figured anyways, would be like a guy that if you move him around, you give the offense, uh, offensive line some some fits. Yeah. as opposed to kind of lining up with one guy, see if he's got the edge that day, uh, and, and try to get over. That doesn't mean they're not going to do it. Maybe they're just trying to establish that. You, but the other thing, yeah. The other thing too is with Garrett and Caleb, they're kind of you don't you don't want to call them tweeners, um, but they are like <laughs> they're kind of moving into this edge realm, right? Where and and, and again, I, it doesn't mean anything on the field for them, but um, you know, do you put them out outside linebacker? Who's going to play that? Who's going to play defensive end as opposed to what is just edge in general? Um, you know, that's kind of. Kind of interesting how that's going on there. I'll play again. Thoughts on uh, Oshan Mathis and where he's lining up. Yeah, that uh, Oshan's done a great job. 
I thought Oshan had a really good scrimmage. Uh, you know, he's different structure defense for him. Uh, he was off the ball a lot last year, it seemed. Um, so he's had to play a little bit more, you know, true defensive end for us, um, which he's, he's done a great job responding to Coach Dawson. Um, he's picked up everything. He's really a big time effort guy and he showed up yesterday at the scrimmage so it's gonna it's, it's really nice to have you know guys on the edge you know you already have Caleb and Garrett now you throw Oshan in the mix and then Jamari Butler and Blaze um, Gunnerson have had tremendous camps as well so that's going to be really good to have a good rotation on that edge and there you hear again coach Shenander today after practice defensive coordinator for Nebraska uh, talking about Oshan Mathis and his involvement on that defensive line and in, in, in that edge pass rush situation um and they feel good about it. I mean, they, they, they talked about, you know, you could hear the names that, that he th threw out there, and you just feel like Oshan, and you've heard it from him, has kind of raised that bar. Like, they're, they're solid edge rushers. They, they, they have a nice pass rushing crew at all, to, all together. Mm -hmm. um, but then when you kind of throw the guy in there that, that draws the defense or draws the offense's attention, you know, that helps elevate those other guys. Um, so playing more of that true defensive end role that's interesting, I you know, it, because part of it's just kind of who has the size. You got to be pretty good if you're going to be in that position against the run. Um, so it's not all just about Oshan and getting him sacks. It's what's the best for this team and and what's best to defend the run as well. Because in the Big Ten West, you know, it's it's great to get some sacks, and I hope Nebraska does. Um, but it's going to be more of a battle of stopping the run than it is attacking the passer. I think they've they've naturally kind of got that figured out. Now the next step is stopping that run. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a key component. They have to be able to, early in the downs, very much so get stops. I mean, no more than two to three yards. You know, um, they've really got to close up the space. They've got to work down the line. They've got to keep in their lanes so that they don't provide cutbacks and and all of those different – it's got to be a collective effort. I mean, everybody's got to be downhill. You remember those old teams, man, that that it didn't matter where the ball was at. You had six people on it. Oh, yeah. You know, it, was, it wasn't one guy just making group it. Tackling, you don't want to just yeah. – yeah, group tackling. You don't want to just rely on Reimer and, 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 and the linebacker core to just have to go and make the play or, or safeties to have to come down and feel. You want to be able to have that whole front just close lanes down and make things happen. And then you'll allow Sean Mathis at his best to, to be able to hit the edge and do what he does well and that he's used to. And that's pinning his ears back and getting in uh, around the edge and taking advantage of a tackle and getting to the ball. So those are the things that they've got to do, and it's going to be important to be able to stop the run this year, no doubt. Well, and you do I, I do feel good, too. When we talk about stopping the run, I think that's probably the biggest concern with the defense. They have a brand-new secondary, so you can kind of throw pass defense in there as well, but you kind of feel with the, the pass rush that they've updated, uh, upgraded, and that, uh, you know, and you feel pretty good about Tommy Hill. We'll get here in a second. Some of the pieces that they added to that secondary as well. Um, but that rush defense, especially in the Big Ten, um, is what's going to need the most attention. Last year, for what it's worth, only gave up more than 200 yards twice, uh, one in, once in the Michigan game, and then, of course, in annually to Wisconsin. Um, so they're going to have to figure that out. And again, um, you're going to need some, some guys to, to step up in an interior defensive line, uh, especially with... Uh, Devin Drew not getting to campus quite yet. So yeah. let's get uh, more to, on uh, Eric Shenander here talking about the competition at the interior defensive line spot. Yeah, those guys are, are both competing. Um, you know, I think 
Nash has got a little better grasp of maybe the system. He can play a little faster. Stefan's uh, still picking it up a little bit. Both those guys play with good technique. Both those guys are... Uh, oh, sorry, I cut off there. Uh, intelligent football players. That's going to be kind of a good battle to watch here as the next couple weeks of camp unfold and we get into another scrimmage um, just to kind of see once they're you know kind of equals with knowledge and, and grasp of what's going on who's going to jump out and take that spot that, that's fascinating because yeah. yeah. it sounds like ty robinson's got a spot then which you we, you expected yeah. he's kind of like the only guy left on the defensive line once everybody transferred and then they had to restock the room uh, of course now we know you know nash hutmacher and colton feast were uh in their room and, and are going to uh, compete to start but um expect a lot of a lot of playing from those guys either way um, as you rotate bodies, and, and that's something Barrett Rude talked about the other day too with the linebackers as we're talking about stopping the run, um, is that you know he thought he might have overplayed Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer a little bit. Getting a little bit more of a rotation out there might help, um, but uh, with those guys up front, um, you know, I, I think to to my point earlier is what I was trying to say is that at least with stopping the run, you feel like the second level is is built. It's ready to roll with Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich. It's just that first level, and is it going to be uh, as good as all those guys that you had to replace last year? Sometimes I think we forget, you know, Ben Stilley and Deontay Thomas and, and Damian Daniels and, you know, there are you know, more. I mean, there, there's more guys that you left off the list that all were part of that rotation last year. So it's a brand-new group up front to stop um, these rushing attacks in the Big Ten, which usually – are going to win uh, the games ultimately. Um, so let's get to a little bit more of Shenander here. Uh, is uh, has anyone separated themselves in competition? Uh, I don't think so. Like I said, I think I think there's a couple guys that that maybe kind of pulled themselves away and, and solidified their spot. And there's still a lot of competition. You know, at every position we had, you know, at least three corners rotating with the ones, three safeties, three nickels, three inside backers, and I think a couple guys at every position kind of cleared their way but there's still a lot of fight and there's still a lot of camp left so there you have it that's interesting you know and kind of kind of break down each one of those like three inside backers i figured like i just said you know who your inside backers were yeah. um but there's if there's a guy stepping up you know you don't you don't leave them off the field you don't leave them out of the rotation um i'm still fairly certain those guys will start but you know like that's what i was just talking about maybe get more of a rotation of guys that you can trust in there and uh certainly this um, and we'll see. We don't know how they hand out the black shirts. Typically with Frost, they've done it preseason. Um, another thing, by the way, where's the alternate uniform? <laughs> so usually yeah. that helps us uh, a show or two in the summer. I haven't had any talk there. Um, but there is always the question about the black shirts. But I wouldn't be surprised to see guys earn the black shirt throughout the year that weren't starters at the beginning. The starting depth chart change. Just because you have so many new guys. Um trying to adjust and, 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 you know, different levels of competition. Mistakes will be made. Other guys will kind of learn the defense at a different pace. You can kind of think of the past. I, I think especially of like a Dijon Gomes uh, with that 2009 defense where like at the start of the year he was hardly playing and by the end of the year he was a difference maker. He's part of like the peso defense that they structured their next year's defense around. Um, so uh, we'll see. I think it's going to take a few guys. I, I Unfortunately, just because Devin Drew hasn't been here, um, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to come along with. That's going to give the other guys opportunities. And like you said, the schedule's at least built for them uh, to grow better and get better at that point. Uh, one more from Shenander about the defensive Real quick, though, line. Oh, go ahead. I want to just talk about the just just the depth, the increase of the depth of knowing that those individuals that are going to come behind them are going to fill in 
you know, your, your, your feast type guys, mm-hmm. you know, that they, they're very aware, they're technically sound, and you don't have to worry about too much of a letdown because you're, 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 you're going to get something. And when you're seeing that across the board, that you don't have that letdown in the depth, the depth department, like if there's an injury or somebody just is tired and you need to fill that gap, that you don't have to worry about too much slippage at the positions. And I'm seeing that it looks like a lot more people are carrying a lot more depth that's going to allow them to continue to, to maintain a good, strong pace. Yeah, and it's kind of, you got to kind of find a middle there too because you want to have separation among your starters yeah. just so you, that you know you've got guys and you can't just throw anybody out there. You've got guys that are yeah. that are developing and becoming all-conference type of guys or, or, or trying, you know, gearing toward that. Um, so that's kind of interesting. That's kind of how I've kind of read the secondaries. They've kind of talked throughout the, the offseason season is like we've got all these guys that we could throw in there it's like well that's good is that good is that is that bad you know it, it, you sure want to see it as, as good competition yeah. but at some point you need somebody to stand out and, and to start to become a leader. and I think at least on the defensive side you feel like they've they've certainly got plenty of guys um that are hitting their stride um and and so there's a lot I know it's defensive day and maybe it's just that feeling um but for the black shirts but we kind of you know just talking around to media members and stuff a lot of people feel you know, this defense might be the strength of the team, especially early on. You might have to lean on that a little bit. And I think that they've got the veteran experience for that. Quickly, uh, real quick ahead. also, yep. Sutter Hammond text line and the Honda Lincoln hotline are always open to you. 402-464-5685. If you want to jump into the discussion, you are always welcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's get one more quote from Shenander before we uh, do hit the text line for a little bit. Uh, Coach Shenander talking about Tommy Hill, uh, another guy that maybe could start at corner, maybe not right away, but certainly uh, we've heard has the physical abilities to do so. Here's Shenander on Tommy Hill learning the language. Yeah, Tommy, uh, you know, every day, every day he flashes. You know, every day he makes a great play. Uh, you know, Tommy's just got to be a little bit more consistent. Some of that's being new to the program, new to the system, uh, but a little more consistency with him. But he definitely flashes, and you can definitely see what the what the ceiling is there. Well, there you have it. I mean, and he's he is a guy that people feel um, maybe you know some of the the top as far as a prospect goes uh, could be one of those guys down the line. Um, maybe I mean some corners are like that. Some of them are more flash, go for the pick, go for the big play. Not as consistent as a lockdown corner. Maybe that's who he is, or maybe. Mm-hmm. It's just new to the defense, so you're flashing because hey, I, I know what I'm doing here. And then other times it's a uh, yeah, you know, I, what is this? What do I do here? I you know, um, right. so we'll kind of see how that turns out for them. Again, last trick said you can uh, you can talk to us at any time here. Call in on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline four two four six four five six eight five or the Starter Hammond Text Line four zero two. Four six four five six eight five. Wet blanket. Who? Thanks again. Brought in uh, some uh, Chick Fil A for Nick earlier because he was pretty hungry, and uh, I, I, ate, I ate a few of those uh, chicken <laughs> nuggets as well. They were pretty tasty. Uh, but uh, wet blanket says this risk re- report should cause pan- panic. You can win with walk-on tight ends, interior interior offensive linemen, and inside linebackers. You can't win with walk-on cornerbacks. Corners, edge rushers, offensive tackles, and defensive linemen. The NFL doesn't pay millions for guys to play those positions in free agency. If you can effort yourself into those positions, um, you know, at, at times the walk-ons can, be, you know, walk-ons getting playing time can cause a little bit of uh, frustration or worry from the fans. At other times, 
they take, I mean, they're better than scholarship players. Like they take over, they should have been offered a scholarship. Um, we'll see what that, how kind of that plays out with Colton feast. Um, and you can kind of come up with your own, uh, opinions. Luke I, one of those I guys. suppose. Yeah. Luke Reimer's a guy <laughs> started out. as a walk on. I would think's the best player on the team right Watch now. Watch out. That's you know, what I'm saying. so it could be, that I was case. a walk on. Well, you were a fake walk on. Well, Okay. <laughs> You're a walk-on uh, because you were already a pro athlete, <laughs> as in oh, baseball. So that's shoot. a little bit different. But like you like like you like to say, probably the best walk-on basketball player ever at the University of Nebraska. Man, I, hey, there's got to be a debate. Hey, is there a debate? Four zero two four six four five six eight five. Who's the best walk-on in Nebraska basketball? Paul Valander was one of my favorites, but uh, I don't know. If I don't know if he quite measures up to you. Uh, what do you What do you think about that? An important, you know, he kind of he kind of played out the the, the certain positions um, that you're not feeling too comfortable with. But Colton Feast, I, I guess I suppose that's kind of the report he's kind of talking about. Um, does that cause you any, any concern? At least, I mean, at some point you needed somebody to step up to provide depth on I, the D line. I, I think there's going to be people that surprise you. I think the Nebraska program is built that way. To, for you to come in, if you take it by the bootstraps, strap it up, get in it, banging, you know, put your effort, put your – I don't know if that came out. But, yes, <laughs> put in the work. If you put in the time and put in the work, you will get an opportunity to be able to exert yourself into the mix. I really think that that's how the program has been built. and Because I don't think they just look at – just who you are star wise. I think they actually are have gotten back to seeing who is actually competing, who is actually fighting for it, who actually wants it, who is consistent. And I think those things are starting to emerge now like like they haven't before. Yeah. Right, we'll we'll or see. Or they did before, but yeah. Trying to get back around to it. Yeah, can't wait for football season. Again, three Mondays from now, we'll be wrapping up talking about Nebraska having beaten down Northwestern and Ireland. At least that's the hope. And I'm sure that's hope from Steve Sibble, of course, of On3 Sports. Uh, He's set to join us here around the break. So we'll uh, catch up with Sip about some of the practice stuff, some of the Husker football stuff going on. That's coming up next here on The Block on 93.7 The Ticket.